Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. So we've been in this sermon series entitled, Why? And we said that why is a really, really important question to ask. Uh, Because sometimes understanding the whys help you to understand the whats and how to live things out. And so we've talked about God. We've talked about the Bible. We've talked about Jesus. We've talked about the church. And we talked about pastors. And last week we talked about marriage. By the way, all these really matter. These are all big deals. They they have huge ramifications in our lives. What we're going to talk about today also does. You know, our culture is in a world of hurt today. I mean, do you agree with that? I mean, as we we, um, look around us, I mean, this, by the way, in, in many ways, our culture is really awesome because we have so many things, benefits because of like the technological advances, things that we enjoy, uh, health, all sorts of things are awesome about this culture. But what has been a struggle in this culture is that it has, I would like to say officially, although if we haven't changed our constitution to reflect it or declaration of independence, but really our, our nation as a whole has stepped back from God being at the top, right? There are a lot of people in our nation today who still want to include God, but not let God really be God. And the book of Romans talks about this, and it really talks about the ills of a society that comes when they reject God as being at the top, reject God as the creator. And it says they begin to worship the creature, the creation, more than the creator. And when that happens, I don't know if you can read this, kind of small, but it says this, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, terrible things, right? And then at the end of this list, it says, disobedient to parents. (laughs) And you think, no, wait a minute. How how did that get into this list? Because we think disobedient to parents, you know, you stole another cookie that you weren't supposed to have. And yet God includes this in this list of the ills in a society that has rejected him. And then he tells us that in the last days, okay, there's another list in 2 Timothy, or first, yeah, 2 Timothy, yeah. In the last days, he says, men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, and there it is again, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. 
but disobedient to parents, once again included in this list. God must think that parents are pretty important to include this in this kind of list. And so today we want to talk about why parents. Why parents? What's, what does God put parents in place for and, and how is that all supposed to work? And um, <clears throat> there's some huge things that go along with parenting, which we'll talk about in a minute. But, but as I was uh, meditating on these things and thinking about what has God said, I realized something, that God's plan when it comes to parents and what he wants to accomplish there is not just about parents. It's a sort of a two-sided coin deal because we have parents and God has a role for them, but then he gives instructions to children. And so parenting and children, when both come together doing what God says, wow, then God's plans are powerful. And they make a huge, huge difference. And so today I want to talk to you about both of these. What God has to say to parents, but what God has to say to children as well. And I, we're going to start with children. Now, children, <clears throat> how many of you are somebody's child? It should be 100%, okay? <clears throat> if you're not, we've got to figure something out. That's right. I'm talking to you who are still at home. You're, you're still under your parents' authority. They're still caring for you. You're either living in their household and they're providing for you, or maybe you're still even, you're out of college, but they are still the ones that are providing for you. You're still under your parents' umbrella of authority. So let's look and see what God has to say. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. It's page 1347 in the Bible there in the pew. And if you don't have a Bible with you, we really encourage you to follow along because it's really what God has to say that we find in his word that we need to understand. So we encourage you to follow along with us. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6. We, we looked last week at the, the verses right before this where God talks about marriage and talks about the responsibilities of a couple to each other and talks about uh, the role of the husband, the role of the wife, and how it's all really supposed to portray our relationship with God. And then in chapter 6, he, he continues this idea with the household, and he says this. He says, children, and, and again, let me say to you, <clears throat> if you're here today and you think, I'm not a child anymore, you know, I'm 13 years old. <laughs> I'm 18 years old. That's okay. Don't, don't take offense. All right, when we use the word child or children. It's not intended to be a, a, a putting you down at all. Do you realize that the, the word teenager did not enter our vocabulary until sometime in the last hundred years? Okay, it wasn't. Before that, there were children and older children and young adults, okay? And, and uh, sociologists who, who were trying to talk about things created this idea of teenager, and, and really, in one sense, it's good because it recognizes certain realities of, of children as they grow through those age of adolescence into adulthood. But another way it's created a difficulty because it's created a whole 
view of certain part time in your life where you are uh, rightfully so beginning to experience some of the privileges that go with being an adult, but yet you haven't been required to assume the responsibilities that go with it. All right? That's, that's, that's free. That's extra. That wasn't on the, the menu here today. But so I, what I want to say to you is that when we, we're talking about children, if I use that term, please apply it to yourself because that's not intended to be a derogatory thing. Okay? All right, so children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And it, oh, it's pretty clear, right? Children, obey your parents. If your parents tell you to do something, do it. If they tell you not to do something, don't do it. Now, there is um, uh, a condition here, and it says this, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, this is important, and for most of the time it's not an issue, but if your parents are not Christians, this command still applies to you. Okay? If your parents are Christians but don't really live very much like Christians, this still applies to you. But when it says, in the Lord, it's telling you this, that God comes before your parents. And by the way, if you can settle this, it's going to make a big, big difference for you. In fact, let me finish this verse. Obey your children. Or obey, yeah, obey your children. <laughs> parents, that happens. Okay, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It is the right thing to do because God has told you to do it. Now, uh, this phrase, in the Lord, is important to understand because parents are born as sinners, just as surely as you are, children. And there are parents in the world who sometimes expect their children to participate in their sin. And you can't do that. If there's any way for you not to, you, you don't do that. Um, it, there is a time and place for you as a child to say no to your parents. If, if your dad is saying, look, I need you to help me rob a bank. Now, you laugh, but you know what? That's happened. And the kids have gone along. You, you know, you have to say, I can't do that. Because God says it's wrong. So if your parents are asking you to sin, asking you to participate in their sin in some way, in the area of morals, in the area of honesty, uh, a small thing, but if they're saying, if they're asking you to lie on the telephone for them, you have to say, I can't do that. Why? Because God comes first. Now, here's where this helps you, though. <clears throat> your parents may tell you to do a lot of things that you think are unreasonable, but they're not sinful. Okay? Your parents may tell you to not do things that you think you ought to be able to do or to do things that you really don't want to do and you don't think it's a reason. Why do I have to do that? If you focus on your parents, guess what? You're going to have a hard time. You're going to struggle because guess what? Parents are unreasonable. I know, I am one. Okay? We do get unreasonable sometimes. Not on purpose. It just goes with it. And one day you're going to be that unreasonable parent. Okay, I promise you. If you, grow, if you get married and have kids, you're going to become an unreasonable parent at some point. 
Sometimes we are unreasonable. Sometimes we aren't as wise as we ought to be. Sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes we're, we're too harsh. Sometimes we're too loose and, and trying to figure all this out. And if, if you focus on your parents in that setting, you're going to struggle. But what you've got to say, wait a minute. It's not really ultimately about obeying my mother or my father, is it? Who is it ultimately about obeying? Who? It's about obeying God. Because God is the one who has said, children, obey your parents. Now, do you see how that is freeing? Okay? Because here's the deal. So your parent tells you something really unreasonable, you know, it seems unreasonable to you, like, gee, you got to clean your room. Why? It doesn't bother me. Well, you got to clean your room. That is so unreasonable. I got much more important things today than clean my room. But God, you said, I'm supposed to do what they say. All right. So I'm going to clean my room and I'm going to do it with a good attitude because God, I'm cleaning my room ultimately for you. And would you do something about my unreasonable parents? When you start obeying God in this realm, now you're in a position to say to God, God, I think my parents aren't seeing it right. I think whatever. But you can go to God about this. By the way, this is true of any relationship where you find yourself under authority, where God has told you to be under authority. You can do this. Same for us if we're under governmental authority, we're under authority in in a church setting. If we will submit to God, to that authority in our lives, and then when that authority is unreasonable, we go to God and say, God, would you do something about this? So, nail this down, young people, that obedience to your parents is not really about obedience to your parents. Obedience to parents is really about obedience to God and trusting him. Now, does God know about your parents? You think he does? He does know about your parents, that's right. And he knows where they need to grow and he knows where they need to change and he's at work in them. Okay, and and so you can trust him, trust God. And, and, you know, some of the most important things I learned in life were things I learned working with and under unreasonable people. You know, it it has stood me well. There was a, uh, I worked for a man years ago at a college, and there were times I really, really felt he was unreasonable. It wasn't fair. It wasn't right. And I had another man that I worked with there, and he said, well, he says, I, I don't do what he says because he says it. And he didn't have a bad attitude, but he said, I do what he says because God has told me to. He's put me under this authority here. And that began to change me and how I looked at things. And there was unreasonable things. But you know what? Guess what? You're going to go out in life. Let me ask this. How many of you who are adults now, you're out on your own, have had to work with somebody who's unreasonable? Yeah. So God lets you have unreasonable parents to prepare you. I mean, I'm sort of joking, but you understand what I'm trying to say? is even if it's hard, God is going to use it in your life. He's going to prepare you in great ways, important ways, 
Now let, let's continue here and look at the rest of this uh, three verses here. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And here's the promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Now you say, I don't think this is intended to be a promise that if you'll do everything your, your parents say, you'll live to be over 100. <laughs> That's not the point. But I, let me give you an example. If your parents tell you, listen, you ought not to be drinking. You're underage, you ought not to be drinking. And you get to drinking, bad things could happen. And you think, no, it won't. How many stories every year do we read about a teenager who was drinking and then ended up at the wheel of a car and people die? See what I'm saying? If, you, if that teenager had done what his parents thought he ought to or she ought to be doing, they wouldn't have died. You see, that's just what I'm trying to say. This is the practical impact of, of going along with what your parents want you to do and tell you to do. Now, this idea of honor your father and mother, this, uh, you will have the responsibility of honoring your parents for the rest of your life. And all you adults here today, you still have a responsibility to honor your parents. You have a responsibility to honor your parents who have already passed away. And by honoring, that doesn't mean you can't tell the truth about them because they, some, some of you here have had parents who abused you. Okay, and how in the world do you honor them? It's hard. And I would encourage you really to, you know, to take that up with God and, and, and get help if you're struggling with that in your life of what a parent has done to you. But there's still this sense of, of figuring out how do I honor my parents? And that's a lifetime endeavor. But obedience ends when you go out and establish your own household. Once you do that, you're no longer under the authority of your parents to obey them but you still have to honor them. But what I want you to see is this. The, the first part of verse three, I think, is very telling. It says that it may be well with you. God is promising you here that if you will let your parents have their rightful place in your life, that it will go well with you. I mean, I, I think about it in my life, okay? And, and um, just a silly, it seems like a silly little example. But let me tell you, I was probably in junior high school. And my friend, his church was having a skating party. And he invited me to come. By the way, back in my day, skating parties were a big deal. You guys know what skating parties are? Yeah, okay. Anyway, so I wanted to go, and they, they said, well, we don't, really, we don't know anything about this church. We don't know anything about this family. We don't, you know. And, oh, no, everything's okay. And I, so I, I finally said, well, okay, if you really want to go. We don't, we don't think it's a good idea, but if you want to go, go ahead. I had the worst time that night, terrible time that night. I got blisters on my feet. I had no fun. I wasn't, now, I'm not saying it always goes that way, but the point is, it, it kind of drives home to me the fact that had I listened to my parents, what they thought was right and wise, it would have gone well with me. And I didn't, and it didn't go well with me. Now, I tell you another time. When I, I became a Christian, I trusted Christ as Savior when I was 19 years old. 
I was attending the University of Missouri, Kansas City. And I got excited about it. I thought, well, maybe I want to go to, to what was back then called Liberty Baptist College, now Liberty University. I mean, they, the dormitories were still in a hotel downtown, Lynchburg. But I thought I might want to go there, and I was going to do it. And then I, or I want to go to Bible college. And my parents said to me, and, and they, they weren't sure if this was just a passing fad in my life. But they said, well, I mean, you're old enough. You can go if you want, but we're not going to help you. We're not going to provide for you. We really think you ought to stay at the University of Missouri and graduate and then go do. Hey, I'm 19 years old. I'm 20. Can I decide for myself? I can. But I'm so grateful that I had teaching from the Word of God that said, hey, you're still at home. You're still under your parents' authority. Listen to them. Let God direct you through them. And, and so I, at that time, gave up what I thought was giving up this dream and did what they said. And, and having stayed there, I ended up married to my wife. Having stayed there, that church brought me in and, and put me on some pastoral staff and helped me to minister, and I grew and, and then after we got married, my wife and I went with Bible college. But see, what I want you to see is that God will work in our lives when we line our lives up his way. And so young people, let your parents have that role in your life. See, you need to obey them because it's the right thing to do. That's what God said, right? For no other reason, God said it. I'm going to do it. But not only is it the right thing, for you to do, it is the best thing for you to do. I guarantee you, you can trust God. Well, you don't know my parents. No, but God does. And he's bigger than your parents. And he can take care of you. And I forgot to say this to you. Here's your question. Let me give you a practical piece of advice. Young people, anytime that you're out there in the world having to make a decision, should I do this, should I not? Should I do it this way, should I not do it this way? I have a question for you to ask yourself. Say, what would my parents think? And I guarantee you, if you're thinking, I'm going to do something that I wouldn't want my parents to know, then God's telling you don't do it. Now, here's what I want you to do. Any of you young people, how many young people have a phone? You got a phone? Get it out. Let me see it. Get it out. Let me see it. Is it on? Is it on? If it's not on, turn it on. You're going to create a video right now. You're going to take a video of yourself. Yes. Put the camera. It's like a, it's like a moving selfie, okay? Put your, get your phone up. Put it in front of you. Put it on your camera app, on video. Turn on and say, with all sincerity in your face, what would my parents think? <laughs> Can you do that right now? Seriously, do it right now. Come on. Parents, do we want them to do it? Do it right now. Go ahead, get it done. Everybody get it right. What would my parents think? Come, did you do it? 
You guys are chickens. I, I'm, I'm half joking here, but I'm saying, seriously, next time you find yourself faced with a decision, open this up and play it. What will my parents think? Because God will lead you through your parents. He really, really will. And if you think someone's reasonable, you do what they say and then have, sit down and have a conversation with them. If you don't understand my folks, I can't have a conversation with them. Then trust God. Trust God. If you can learn to trust God there, you can trust him anywhere. You really can. All right, so let's turn now to the parents. Um, before we even look at it, parents, it's interesting, it hit me yesterday. I've known for a long time that this day was coming. And just, you know, it kind of stays in the back of my mind. And, um, but my youngest is now 18. Youngest of six is 18 and graduating from high school. And I was out working in the yard yesterday. I had a shovel doing something. All of a sudden it hit me and I just broke down and cried. Kind of leaned over the shovel and hoped nobody was watching. <laughs> and here's why. Because I realized it's done. I don't get any more opportunities. I mean, I still have parenting opportunities. But it's changed. And, and parents, we have such a, it really is a limited amount of time, even though it seems like years, and, it, and sometimes it seems very long in the middle of it. It isn't. It goes by. And so we need to really get a hold of this, parents. And if you're here and your kids are already grown, there's still things here that you need to understand. And if you, you take advantage of these things, parents, you can still have, make a difference in your children's lives. Okay? But those of you who have little ones or even teenagers still at home, take advantage of these things. Verse number four. It says, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Now, <clears throat> it says here fathers, and because fathers are the head of the household, and so Paul gives this instruction to them. I think it's safe to say that mothers, you are included in these instructions. Okay, these are instructions to parents. And yes, father, dad, you do have a significant responsibility here. This is not something you just turn over to mom. Okay. Do not provoke your children to wrath. Okay, drive, Don't drive your kids crazy. Don't make them angry. And so how do I do that? Well, it seems like he uses this word but in here, right? But is a conjunction saying, not that, but this. And so here's the deal. If you do not bring your children up in the training and admission of the Lord, you're going to provoke them to wrath. They're going to become angry. They're going to struggle because you have not trained them up in, in the admonition of the Lord. So what is the responsibility here? Bring them up. Okay, that's an active thing. In other words, sometimes we as parents tend to get passive and we just let life go. We say, no, bring them up. This is a consciously engaging. In other words, okay, I have a child here, and I need to raise this child to, to know the Lord and to live for the Lord. Which would you rather have your child be? An excellent piano player that doesn't really care much about God or not even knowing how to play the piano and loving God? 
Which would you rather have? Your child to be an excellent hockey player or baseball player or whatever and be apathetic about God or not even be involved in sports and love God with all his heart or her heart. You need to start from there, see? You need to start with that understanding and then make decisions along the way that are going to get you there. And he says two things, the training and the admonition of the Lord. Now this word that's training, this translated training here, it, it applies to every aspect of a child's life. In the King James Version, it said the nurture. And when we think, when we nurture a little child, what do we give, what do we try to provide for the little child? Everything that they need to thrive, right? It's not just food, it's not just a place to sleep and safe, but it's also love and interaction and, and, and so nurture. This, this is what this word training comes from. And so it is, parents, you have a responsibility for everything that your child needs to learn and get good at in order to serve God in their lives. Do you think that your child needs to learn to read in order to effectively live for Christ in our world? Yeah. Your child needs to learn to read because they need to read the Word of God. And they need to learn to read so that they can function out in this world and be a productive citizen. Well, whose responsibility is it to make sure that your child learns to read? Is it the government's responsibility to make sure your child learns to read? It is not. Is it the school's responsibility to make sure that your child learns to read? No, they're going to do all they can to make that happen. But it is your responsibility as a parent. That means you have to figure out what do we need to do to make sure this happens. And we can put this into any aspect of life that your child needs. It's your responsibility as a parent. You can't hand that off to somebody else. And when it comes to, to the training and admonition of the Lord, knowing God, having a relationship with God, knowing what the Bible says, knowing the principles of the Bible and how they work and how do I live by them. All the things that go along with this. Whose responsibility is that? Is it the church's responsibility? Not according to God. It's your responsibility as a parent to make sure that your child knows the things of God and knows God. Now, what's the church's role in this? The church is going to help you. The church is going to provide some opportunities, but I guarantee you there's no way two hours a week, three hours a week is going to make up for every other hour in the week. And if you as a parent are not interacting with your child about the things of God each and every day, You're giving Satan a handle in their lives that he can get a hold of and thrash them around with. And so in the nurture and the training of the admonition of the Lord, you see, here's the deal. Parents, and, and let's go to that next slide there. Parents are God's plan for passing on to their children everything that God wants us to believe and do. Parents are the plan. Now, what about a child who doesn't have a parent? Missing one parent, missing two parents. David said, when my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. God is a father to the fatherless. 
And so if a child is missing parents, God will intervene. God will work in special ways and make up the difference, okay? It's hard, but he will do that. But so parents are the plan. There is, there is no other plan. And, and so listen, here, can you get this? You and your home, parents, are the absolute very best place for your child to become a follower of Christ. And you have to accept that responsibility. And then you can take advantage of other things that help you. I didn't say this earlier, but let me, let me say this. It's interesting because when we look in the scripture and we say, who talks to children? Who tells children what to do? Who's supposed to do that? We see a couple of things. One is that we see that every time the government begins directing the lives of children in the Bible, children get hurt. Children die. Every time the government gets involved, because it's not the government's role. It's the parents' role. And what's really interesting to me, search the scriptures and find what God says directly to children. You know how many things God says directly to children? One. Children, honor and obey your parents. God is not even taking your role. Okay? Do you see how important it is? And so your household, and you need to see it this way, our household, us, mom and dad, or just mom, or just dad, whoever's there, we have to... Make sure that we are using our household and our time with our children to train them to know God and to love God and to live for God. Well, how in the world are you going to accomplish this? Is that a big task? Yeah, and you're going to reach the end of it like all of us do and say, oh, I wish I had. And you're going to miss some of it, but God will use you. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I mean, this tells us, gives some insight on how we do this. Chapter 6, we'll start in verse 1. It says, Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God. And remember when uh, it talks about fearing God, it's talking about reverencing Him and worshiping Him and surrendering to Him, giving Him that, His rightful place in your life that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all His statutes and His commandments which I command you you and your son and your grandson all the days of your life and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, we get here to verse four. This is called, the Jewish people call this the Shema. And Shema means hear, hear. There's something that you need to hear, Okay. And so uh, a devout Jewish person will, will read this at least once a day, sometimes twice. He says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with your whole being. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. 
You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And those, you need to keep these things before you all the time. But back up in verse number six, he says, these things shall be in your heart. Parents, you can't give to your children what you don't have. Your relationship with God needs to be real. It needs to be genuine. It needs to be growing. It's never going to be perfect. But it needs to be real and ongoing in your life. Then, when it's in your heart like that, then you can pass it on to your children. And he says two things here. First thing he says, teach them diligently. This means, parents, that there have to be times on some sort of regular basis where you are opening up the Word of God and looking at what God says together. If that's not happening in your home, you're missing such a powerful opportunity. Well, I don't know. I know how to explain it. I don't know. Well, then don't worry about that. Let's, let's read this together, kids. Wow. I don't know if I understand this, kids. Do you understand this, kids? And you'd be surprised. Sometimes they'll explain it to you. But, uh, okay, well, then let's, let's think, all right? Let's, let's talk to God. God, we don't really understand this, but it's your word, and, and we want to understand everything we need to understand. So would you help us to understand this? In Jesus' name, amen. And you pray, and then, and then you say, okay, kids, what do, you, what do you think we should do? How can we find out? Oh, uh, well, let's go on the Internet. Let's talk to the pastor. Let's, and then you go find out. What, what do your children get from that? They get that God comes first. His word is true. We need to understand it. And we're about the business of figuring out what God has said. And we're doing it together. You see what I'm saying? You don't have to be, oh, I know how to teach the Bible. No, but you teach them the truths about God. And one of the most important ways you teach them about God is when it says, and to talk about them. And when did he say talk about them? Look there in verse 7. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. In other words, you need to be spending time with your child, going through life with your child. And as you go through life with your child, you're talking with your child. You're having conversations that include Christ. You're having conversations that include truths from the Word of God. And it just all gets interwoven into life. But once again, you can't do that unless that's the way you live. If you aren't living that way, mom and dad, you can't give this to your kid. If your kid isn't going to get what they need, and they're going to burst out into this world without a heart for God. Ah, that's a terrible tragedy for so many reasons. I'm going to just stop there. Remember, parents, you are God's plan. You are his plan for your children to know all that they need to know and to know what they need to do and how to live. You are their plan. And by the way, if you've messed that up and your children have already gone out of the household, you start praying. God is big. You start asking God, God, I, I lost opportunities. Would you give me opportunities? And he'll begin to open the doors of opportunity. Just have input. And children, just grab that piece of advice I gave you. 
ask the question, what would my parents think? Because guess what? That's what God wants you to do. I don't know what God wants me to do. Well, what would your parents say? Oh. <laughs> All right. Now, can you imagine what would happen in a church like ours? And we have great kids here. We love our kids to death here. Love you parents too, but can you imagine if, if we got on board this whole idea of, wait a minute, we are a family and God's intent is that in our family we become Christ-centered and, and God is growing us and working us and we're training our children and we're learning in the process and all of these things. What would that do to our church? You'd be having church all week and you'd show up here and we'd celebrate. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have given us such practical truths. Father, give our young people here, stir in their hearts the faith to trust you, to work through their parents. Even if it's not comfortable, they don't like it. Give them the faith to trust you to work there. And parents, Father, so burden our hearts, burden us with the huge responsibility of being faithful to you to teach our children about you and your word and to, to talk with them about it and live it in life as we take them along with us. Oh God, change us as your people as we live by the truths and principles of your word. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.